Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you for another day. Thank you for an opportunity to just read about your, your word, your people, and just to learn from it, God. I pray that today, uh, no matter what the way, no matter whatever way this conversation goes, that we learn something from your word. We learn something from the way uh, we live in this world of uh, worldliness and that we would just uh, be stewards of your grace and be able to just love on one another and correct one another when correcting needs to be. And God, I pray that uh, we would learn to grow together more in unity as people of you and as messengers to the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Welcome to Cross Discourse, where music, culture, and life are discussed across the media spectrum weekly to help you live a godly life. Cross Discourse, Christ is Culture. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Anonymous, coming to you with another episode of cross discourse and uh i don't know where you are when you're listening to this but uh, i've got another good one for you today i'm going to read two verses two verses from the bible uh they are going to be english standard version i'm gonna just get those out the way real quick they are galatians 2 11 through 14 and also first peter 3 8 through 22 uh, and then we're going to get into a really interesting discussion of things that have been going on lately. All right. Um, but I think that these verses can kind of uh, lay some foundation for you just so you can understand what's going on. First, uh, let's start with First Peter 3, 8 through 22. Suffering for righteousness's sake. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness's sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make the defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience so that when you are slandered those who revile your good behavior in christ may be put to shame for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be god's will than for doing evil for christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to god being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, 
when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. That, my friends, is 1 Peter 3, 8 through 22. Um, and I did that verse for two reasons, and I'm going to get to it in a second. Uh, the second verse, Galatians 2, 11 through 14 comes like this, but when, I'm going to change the name Cephas to Peter, but when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, excuse me, Peter, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews. So recently, I was just doodling along on my phone as I usually do, not doodling, playing games, just sitting idly by and, you know, researching articles, looking at beach houses and living the life, right? Um, and upon my screen came a New York Times article uh, that I just was like, uh, what is going on with this? Uh, so I clicked on it. And I decided to read it. The title of that New York Times article is Take the Ship. Conservatives aim to commandeer Southern Baptists. And it was written by Ruth Graham and Elizabeth Diaz. I hope I'm saying her name right. And it was written June 12, 2021. And I read the article and I was like, I don't understand this take the ship thing. And they get into this whole thing about pirate flags and how they are going to take the ship. And it starts talking about a particular pastor who hangs up his pirate flag and does just a whole bunch of other things to talk about, um, you know, the ultra conservative group and, and how the Southern Baptist Church is kind of becoming a little too liberal and uh, goes into some articles or some history about the Southern, Southern Baptist Convention, but it also starts talking about the role of women in the church. I have my opinions about that, um, but that's not what we are discussing today. And it also talks about the history of abuse within the, uh, I guess, followers of the Southern Baptist Convention, not as bad as the um, Roman Catholic Church, but it has some history with some abuse of young people in um, Southern Baptist churches, uh, and it's a really good read. Um, but then I just really wanted to focus on that black flag with the skull and cross swords, and um, 
it, that was so I, I just had to look up a lot of other articles um, there's a, another article that's I'm not sure uh, exactly uh, I didn't really kind of read this article in too much detail but I I found another one that talks about an earthquake with pirates at the Southern Baptist Convention that is written June 14 2021 and that is more of the same just talking about these conservative southern baptists wanting to take control of the southern baptist convention again uh there is an article from the ledger i'm just giving you all this history all at once or all these articles all at once uh sorry if that's not how you want it but this is how i'm giving it to you uh, just so you can get the the impact of how I I how, how how I have been affected by this whole situation, um, Southern Baptists meet amid controversy over leaked letters. This is from the Ledger, and this is actually about a kind of a I guess you can kind of call him liberal um, conservative, liberal conservative, if you will, Russell Moore who resigned from the Southern Baptist Convention uh, as his role as the, um, I guess, the head of a particular group within the Southern Baptist, uh, who was an ally of black pastors um, and was also an advocate for abuse victims. So he was kind of doing that. I guess he had some letters, not I guess, but there were some letters that uh, leaked out and kind of forced him to resign. Um, and so because of his resignation and there being a new vote for a president coming up, uh, there's a lot of stuff happening, a lot more people. I think it was like almost 20,000 people are kind of gathering here, uh, not here, but in Nashville to kind of vote for the new uh, president. And then uh, MSN News kind of chimed in as well on the 14th of June. A great reckoning in the Southern Baptist Convention is about to take place. Uh, and that goes into more detail about the split within the Southern Baptist Church. Um, McCain, uh, who is a, uh, a writer for um, Al.com, uh, had this to say. And she said, Southern Baptist pirates and other abominations and uh she said she starts talking about just how um these churches are autonomous and now they're coming to just uh try and bring more of a ultra conservative flair into the southern baptist convention but at the same time they're trying to kind of dismiss the whole um you know alec the whole they're kind of trying to maybe not sweep it under the rug maybe as a little bit too much um but uh they, they i don't i don't i'm not too familiar with the whole um sexual abuse thing there's there's some stuff in there about it uh but um there's this idea that this black flag this this flag that is associated with pirates. And we all know what pirates are. What are pirates? Pirates are people that steal ships. They steal gold. They uh, 
they backstab other people to get what they want um and in essence they are plunderers they are the people that love to take over other people's um things and take it for their own they're thieves they're murderers they're you know a lot of things that uh christians shouldn't be associated with but these ultra conservative christians and i'm going to get to that in a minute are taking on the mantra of a pirate and that's actually a really good read and that is called I, i'm not sure if i said it already but um mccain southern baptist pirates and other abominations and that is from dana mccain from al.com al.com um and that's a, a really good read for you as well um and then there's the conversation a yahoo news article southern baptist conventions focus on mission recalls history of promoting white dominance uh that is something that i think you should definitely read so that brings me to the history and that's what i wanted to really discuss today i just had to look up the southern baptist convention because i uh, wasn't i mean i'm familiar with it i know about a lo lot of southern baptists particularly where i live there are a lot of uh southern churches that are associated with the southern baptist convention um and just so you know there are a lot of prominent black pastors in the Southern Baptist Convention, um, particularly in this, uh, well, they're mainly in the South, but the Southern Baptist Convention is not um, uh, strictly, um, is not strictly in the South anymore. They've kind of spread out, if you will. Um, they've kind of, uh, kind of gone into a different, um, uh a different kind of they they kind of want to co conquer the u.s they're they're all over there are some churches in the north that are southern baptist now uh and that stems from the history of the southern baptist convention and, and just really quickly to give you a history thing there used to be a baptist convention in the u.s um that was uh kind of they met every three years and they called it the triennial convention um, and they were formed way, way back in the 1800s. And um, they uh, were North and Southern Baptist uh, churches that were loosely affiliated with one another. And they really wanted to focus on missionary work. Um, they really wanted to focus on, I guess, the uh, missionary work for particularly the Baptist faith. Um, and so they wanted to make sure people were baptized. They wanted the churches to be autonomous. Um, they really wanted to uh, concentrate on separation of church and state. So they were really pushing this idea of the churches can do their thing and then the state can do their thing. Um, and so that's kind of how they started in the 1800s, in the early 1800s. Uh, but there are some big splits, and the biggest split comes about 30 years after they were founded, uh, right before the Civil War kicks off. The um, In order to 
kind of um, placate everybody, the Triennial Convention did not have a position on slavery. And so obviously you can see that the people in the North who really want to get rid of slavery and the people in the South uh, who want to hold on to slavery are at odds. And because the Triennial Convention did not take a stance on there, there was a huge rift between um, both parties, the, the North and the South. And so the Southern, the Northerners, excuse me, kind of escalated it by creating their own little uh, Baptist group um, in the 1800s, right around 1840. And then as a response, uh, in around 1845, the Southern Baptist Convention created was created and that's where all of the slave owners and the pastors that wanted to continue to hold on to their slaves created the southern baptist convention what's ironic here is that the triennial convention and that northern baptist association did not uh grow at the uh at the rate that the southern baptist did and in fact the southern baptist would take uh, over. They would eventually, according to their numbers, uh, become like the second largest um, Christian organization or denomination in the United States. And according to them, they have about 14, 15 million parishioners, 14, 15 million people who believe uh, what they believe. And the triennials, uh, would actually kind of defunct, become defunct um, right around 1907 and become the American Baptist Church USA in 1907. And they only have about one million followers. Uh, now, there are there is another association, the American Baptist Association, uh, which was formed in 1924. Uh, and they're a little bit different. They're not really, um, you know, a part of this, but they are, uh, some, they are also conservative, um, uh, Baptists, um, but they don't kind of hold to the Southern Baptist, uh, thing really. Um, so that's kind of like the history of, the Baptists in the United States, in case you didn't know that. Um, that's a really quick story. Um, there's a whole lot more to be held on that. Um, but it's interesting that the Southern Baptists are now coming back and they're having some issues. Um, if you notice, uh, the Triennial Convention didn't have a, a, uh, uh, a, a, a position on slavery. And that's going to kind of be their history um, over the years. They're going to kind of take a hands off approach. They also didn't have a position on evolution. Right. They wanted to they really were kind of afraid to take a position on anything. Right. Except spreading Baptist views. They But anything controversial, this triennial convention was kind of like hands off. Right. They weren't really trying to push anything or to progress or to hold on to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whereas we have the Southern Baptists who really were focused on um, 
uh, uh, really slavery, right? They wanted to hold on to this slavery and they actually had a group uh, separate from them. And that's going to be the American Baptist Association that I mentioned a little bit later. Um, and historically, um, black pastors have not really uh, done really well with the Southern Baptist Convention, but because of the um, resources and the influence of the Southern Baptist Convention, and because they wanted to continue changing to increase their numbers, uh, some black pastors have remained um, within the Southern Baptist uh, convention and they've actually had a black uh, president um, within their ranks as well. Um, so that's kind of the history and that brings me now to my point here where we look at the two verses that I gave you. Um, the first one being First uh, Peter where it talks about um, having a unity of mind, having, uh, being sympathetic, uh, having brotherly love, a tender heart, a, a humble mind. Those, that was the first verse, not repaying evil for evil or being, or, you know, uh, negative for negative in essence. Right. Um, but then the bottom, I like that, you know, verse 20, um, on, it talked about baptism a little bit. That's why I kind of put that in there, but it's something for you to just read and go over and kind of consider what it's saying, right? Um, now, obviously, if someone's wrong, I don't want you to, it's not saying to be wrong, which is why I brought into you uh, Galatians 2, 11 through 14, where Paul is saying, look, I went to Peter and I opposed him to his face. But as you can see, Paul and Peter continue to be brothers in Christ. Peter didn't fall away. Peter didn't stop being a follower of Christ, Peter was still a follower of Christ. They had different missions, right? Paul kind of spread the word out to everyone, whereas Peter kind of stayed in his lane. He was the foundation of the early Christian church, and Paul kind of took it out to the rest of the world. And you see that here in Galatians 2.11, where, you know, Peter who kind of hung out with the Gentiles and everything and was liking that lifestyle a little bit, uh, was still afraid of the group that he was with and decided to kind of do his own thing. So now we have this uh, take the ship idea within the Southern Baptist Church. And, um, you know, there are a lot of Southern Baptists out there, 14 million. You could be one listener, whichever listener uh, is listening to this that I'm talking to right now. That's kind of hard because I don't know, you know, many of you. I just know a couple people. Um, but um, it's really interesting when you read this article about Take the Ship. Why are they focused on, um, number one, why are they focused on trying to carry on this mantra of a pirate, right? Take the ship. I get it. You want to take the ship. But you're actually saying you want to take it back. But why are you talking about it in terms of um, using a pirate as your your mascot, right? Um, because that's not the mindset of a Christian, right? But then you have this history of the Southern Baptists and that article from the conversation that I mentioned um, that was in the the uh, on Yahoo News with their focus on the mission recalls history of promoting white dominance, right? 
you have a historically a organization that is about white dominance that really was created over the issue of slavery now saying um, we need to go back to uh, whatever conservative values and actually those people who are carrying the pirate flags and everything are the people that are against uh, critical race theory now am I against critical race theory I've already expressed my opinion on it um, I do believe that there is some good points within critical race theory I don't want uh, African-American people to be a um, to, to use something as a as a crutch I don't want uh, African-American people to um, um, kind of feel like it's everyone else's far, fault, excuse me, fart, excuse me, fault. Um, but I, I want you to really think about um, some of the points and some of the issues that are out there. Now, I've done a, a, a podcast already on race relations and things like that recently, so I don't want to belabor the point, but I do want you to really think about um, these groups, these people, there's only 16,000 people or, or something like that who have already pre-registered for the Southern Baptist Convention out of 14 million. But it's more likely that those 16,000 are going to be your pastors, your, your leaders within the church and their focus. What are they focused on? What are they actually preaching when they come into your church and they're spewing out um, some language that might not be biblical, right? I'm not saying that they are, um, sin. I mean, I'm not saying that they are correct or that they are wrong, but if they are fighting so hard to maintain a, uh, a, uh, um, white male focus in the world and denounce critical race theory, and I'm not, and again, why is that your focus instead of preaching the gospel? Why are you focused on critical race theory? Why are you letting meaningless talk? And we talked about that verse before. Why are we letting meaningless talk take over the things that we should be focusing on? Right. And that's my issue. That's my issue. You, we know that the Southern Baptists have a history um, and it's been going on for, excuse me, over a hundred years they've been supporting slavery um and then they've had tons of controversy right where they uh you know didn't want um uh uh, uh they were kind of against uh you know certain look look them up i i don't want to get into too many different things that really don't have to deal with this story the most recently is the sex abuse scandal uh, and their fight against critical race theory. Um, a lot of black churches have left them over this, but over the years they have had a lot of um, scandals and controversies that really affected them. Um, they really had a lot of it, uh, internal disagreement focused on um, wanting to maintain a mindset that isn't necessarily um, beneficial, right? So the Bible teaches us that God is unchanging and we realize that the, the word is unchanging and we ought to focus on that. But man 
needs to understand that we're not God. And some of the ways that we've done things, maybe with a white man always being in charge, is not the way uh, it should always be. And we shouldn't just fight because we don't like the way, you know, they're attacking this idea of the quote unquote word woke, right? Um, and, you know, wanted to push back against the conversation. But how about you let people understand the grace of God? How about you be loving and giving and sharing and not focus on the things that are meaningless? And you go out there and you help somebody to get a job. You help somebody to change their life around and you tell somebody about Jesus Christ and you focus on that. All right. That's that's just my thing. But I, I love this history aspect of the Southern Baptist um, Church. They have their own um, seminary, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, you know, they have a lot of people coming out of it. They have a lot of, um, you know, kind of people that have uh, been affiliated with them. Um you know, women and men. I know Beth Moore was a was a part. She stepped away from it recently. I'm not a big Beth Moore fan, but you know, the obvious biggest one that I can think of in recent years is Billy Graham. Everyone knows who Billy Graham is. He was a Southern Baptist preacher. And now you take Billy Graham, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but if you take Billy Graham, Billy Graham also changed his views on the civil rights movement later when it became um, much more beneficial to oppose uh, 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 like uh, racism, right? Billy Graham was much more malleable to it later. And he only met Martin Luther King one time. We don't um, really know what was said between them um, in too much detail. Um, but he only met him like the one time after it was becoming kind of a, a, a big deal. I'm sorry, I'm thinking, I think I'm thinking Malcolm X. Um, I'm thinking, I am thinking Malcolm X. Um, but Billy Graham and Martin Luther King um, Jr. definitely uh, weren't the closest, right? They they weren't. Um, they, it does said, say that they had a friendship, but um, it was way after um, way after, uh, you know, he kind of ignored it a little bit, but he's a Southern Baptist. So what does it say when your, your prominent people are opposing, um, segre uh, uh, desegregation, right? And, and they're opposing a way of life that is hurtful to a, a, a large group of people. Um, and, you know, Things of that nature. I'm not going to belabor the point. Um, I just think this is just a really good history for you to look at. And then I want you to kind of focus on those Bible verses as um, we get to it. I've been rambling. I've been going on a long time. I, I didn't have a song, but I, I just wanted to put that out there. I do have a song. Maybe I'll put uh, two more songs on tomorrow or something like that or next week. But that's my uh, time for today. I don't want to talk too much longer. I hope this was beneficial. Look up those Bible verses. First Peter, what does it say to you? First Peter 3, 8 through 22, and then Galatians 2, 11 through 14. All right, people. 
I love you, family. Email me, crossdiscourse at gmail.com if you have any questions, thoughts, prayers, or anything like that. Talk to you later. Peace. Oh.